Hello there. We would like to say thank you to all our listeners who've helped us make the top 20 in fiction on Apple Podcasts. We love what we do. And we love that you love what we do. And we love that you love that we love what we do. So today really is all about the love. As a little thank you, the full Impossible Victim theme is included after this episode for your listening pleasure. So stay creepy out there and be safe. Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 11 Trent was learning that his education in the Garda Training College had lied about just how mind-numbingly boring it was to do actual police work. For a start, it was nothing like the shows on television. There was no massive car chases, and nobody had fired a gun once. In fact, Trent O'Shea had yet to see a gun up close. What they had definitely lied about, both his course instructor and the shows, was the stakeout aspect of policing. It was the most boring part of all. Watching a location while at the same time trying not to be obvious about said watching was tedious. More than once Trent's mind had wandered, going back over the most random of memories in an effort to try and pull up something entertaining. Mainly, he thought about how everyone in the world was unaware of all the magical beings that presumably secretly ruled the land. Like a sort of mystical Illuminati, but with actual mystical bits instead of just the conspiracy theory mystical bits. As yet another of these entertaining thoughts drifted through Trent's mind like a lost tumbleweed, something happened across the street. Filthy Henry and his female friend appeared, literally out of thin air. One second the street was empty, the next there they both were, without a valid explanation of where they had come from. No taxi, car, bus, or even a low-flying aeroplane had passed by for the last five minutes. I really hate my life right now, Trent said to himself as he watched them walk up the steps and go inside the building. Even though it meant more waiting was required, Trent decided to give them ten minutes before he knocked on the door and made his first arrest as a Garda. First false arrest, true, but it was still one for the scrapbook. He shifted his bum on the cold stone step and stared intently at the door across the street. Shelley generally avoided coming into Filthy Henry's home for a number of reasons, the primary one being a concern for her health. Bachelors are dirty creatures by nature, something that they have in their genetic memory. Just like dogs sometimes think they are wolves, even though they are really Yorkies with yappy barks, bachelors seem to think that squalor was always in fashion. Given how messy he allowed his office to get, a mere one floor down, Shelley was always impressed on some strange level, to see that Filthy Henry was even messier in private. The fairy detective took off his coat, threw it across the back of the sofa, then dropped into an armchair and placed his feet up on a stack of empty pizza boxes. Shelley remained near the door and looked around for the least dirty spot to sit down. Now this case is genuinely baffling, Filthy Henry said, rubbing his face with his hands. I have an impossible victim, a suspect who's suspected of not being a suspect, and no idea how the crime was committed, considering it's meant to be impossible. Plus, I know without a shadow of a doubt that either Balor or Brez are behind it. I just can't prove how yet. Worse still, I've no bloody motive. Every murder has motive, even if it was just a crime of passion. Never one to let simple things get in her way, Shelley decided to use Filthy Henry's coat as a blanket. She tipped it over the sofa as she walked past. 
it landed on what was possibly an old sandwich container. Then, in as ladylike a manner as she could manage, given her current surroundings, she sat down. The angry glare she received from the fairy detective was met with a shrug. If you cleaned up more often it wouldn't have happened, Shelley said, folding her arms in defiance. Filthy Henry leaned back into the cushions and shook his head once. Maybe Ogma is in on it. You know, the best witness of the event, and he only writes down what appeared to happen. But that's crazy, right? Dagda would know. He isn't that stupid a god. But I'm clutching at straws now. Well, maybe we need to look at it from a different angle, Shelley said. So far, we focused on finding out what magical weapon was used, or who the killer might be. But what is to be gained from Meek being killed? Filthy Henry's eyes opened wide, as he clearly thought of something. Not Meek. Dean kicked, he said, sitting up straight in his seat. Meek was just the perfect distraction victim. Dean kicked is the real target. Shelley looked about the room to see if she could spot whatever had caused this burst of inspiration for the fairy detective. Nothing was jumping out at her, which, on a deeper evaluation, was a relief. The random piles of empty fast food containers were no doubt home to a variety of vermin, maybe even some sort of magical rodent from the fairy world that people never saw because of the magical mental blocks humans had. What do you mean? she asked. Before Filthy Henry could answer, there came a loud and repeated thumping from the front door of the building. Open up! It's the guards! a voice shouted from out in the street. Shelley and Filthy Henry looked at each other. What did you do? Shelley asked him. He shrugged and got up from his seat. Nothing. Nothing that they could know about at the minute anyway. Filthy Henry got up, left the apartment and went downstairs. The thumping continued as Filthy Henry made his way down the last flight of stairs to the ground floor. Whoever was outside definitely wanted to come in. But they were going the wrong way about it. A few months before, a stoker, a term used to describe a fairy breed of Irish vampires, had just smashed the door in like kindling. Now that was how you got into a place. Just banging and asking for the door to be opened was going to get you nowhere fast. Come on, open up, the Garda shouted again, banging even harder. I know you're in there. If you break that door, you've bought it, Filthy Henry said, as he unlocked and opened the door. Outside on the steps stood Trent O'Shea, the recruit that had been with Downey when the Leerling had found Meek's body. But since Trent's mind had been magically wiped by Dagda, the fairy detective was surprised to see him. It screamed of coincidence. And in the magical world, Filthy Henry knew coincidences were never coincidental. How could I help you? Filthy Henry said. He feigned confusion. Garda O'Shea, wasn't it? Trent glared at the fairy detective. Oh, don't try that sort of crap with me. What's your surname? Why? Because it's how this thing is meant to work. I speak with authority and call you by your surname and it sets up how this whole scenario will play out. Filthy Henry couldn't stop the smile. Well, why don't you go and look it up somewhere, sunshine? Since as far as I know, there's no law that means I have to tell you my surname. Filthy Henry is fine for this little conversation, the fairy detective said. All right, smart guy, Trent said with what Filthy Henry thought was a slightly wavering voice. I need to search your apartment. We received an anonymous tip about a case we're working on. And you have a warrant to back up this search request, I take it? Filthy Henry asked. The look on Trent's face suggested he had not thought things through completely. He patted down his pockets and started to shuffle his feet. 
like a child in the principal's office being asked why he had tried to set fire to the toilets. Well, you see, that that's the thing about, uh, tips, Trant said, looking behind him as if there should have been support appearing from somewhere. Filthy Henry looked up and down the street as well. No other Garda could be seen, not even the obvious undercover sort sitting behind the wheel of a Ford Focus. The same sort of car that all the undercover cars in Ireland were. In fact, the only person that even seemed to be paying attention to the scene at the front door was a bald gentleman that was slowly walking along on the opposite side of the street. He glanced over at the pair of them, then quickly looked away when he saw that Filthy Henry had noticed him. Where do I know him from? Filthy Henry thought. There was something familiar about the man's face, but the fairy detective was not sure what exactly. It was only as the bald man turned to walk down Liffey Street that Filthy Henry realised Trent was talking still. And furthermore, a suspicion can be used as justification for a consented search, so long as... Filthy Henry stepped back and motioned for the guard to enter. Ah, oh, for the love of the gods, just come in and get it over with, will you? He said. I'm far too busy to be wasting time like this. There's nothing to hide in here anyway, so knock yourself out. Trent stopped mid-sentence and stared at Filthy Henry, before gathering his wits and entering the building. Without waiting for further words to be exchanged, the guard started to walk up the rickety staircase. Filthy Henry closed the front door and followed Trent. What surprised him was the guard did not stop on the first landing and begin searching the office. Instead, Trent made his way up to the next flight of stairs and continued on towards the apartment. This was not how Filthy Henry felt random searches went, mainly because if you searched randomly, you wouldn't start by homing in on a certain location. Something about this stank. None of the fairy detective's magical alarms had been triggered in his absence. Alarms that had been in place for nearly thirty years and had never failed him. Then again, the alarms were tuned to fairy creatures or magical interference. Trent O'Shea was definitely human. As Trent reached the second floor, he marched straight through the apartment doorway, greeted by a question from Shelley as to why he was there. This was summarily ignored, and the fairy detective heard Trent's loud, clunky footsteps march into the back rooms. What does he want? Shelley asked as Filthy Henry came into the living room. She added in a whisper, Isn't he the one that Dagda did the mind thingy on? Filthy Henry nodded. Yeah, not really sure what's going on here. Says somebody tipped him off about something, and he's doing a random search. Shelley frowned, and looked down the short hallway that Trent had just gone down. Seems to be the most structured random search I've ever seen. Aha! Trent shouted from the bedroom. He stepped out into the hallway, holding a large kitchen knife in his hands. A tissue was being used to prevent his fingers actually touching the handle. Along the blade was a red-orange substance that could have been anything. The knife was not one that Filthy Henry could claim ownership of, let alone explain why it was in his bedroom. Except right then, a little light bulb lit up in his mind. Care to explain this? Trent said, coming down to stand in front of Filthy Henry so that he could wave the blade in front of the fairy detective's eyes. Seems to be covered in a very strange sort of blood. A dozen clichés sprang to Filthy Henry's mind at that moment. They ranged from, I've never seen that before, Gov. Do you planted that? That ain't mine. But the fairy detective knew that Trent would be expecting something like this. As Filthy Henry had heard them all before himself. It was the same old trick any guilty party had used since the dawn of time. One that Filthy Henry was not going to use because, for once, he wasn't guilty of anything. 
Instead, he decided to try and throw Trent off balance. How do you know that's blood? Filthy Henry said, pointing at the orange stuff on the blade. That could be anything. Could be the dried juices of a blood orange. I didn't know they taught the recruits field haematology skills in Garda College these days. Look, you, it's blood, all right. Of the two of us, I'm the Garda. I'm the one who works within the law. And I say this knife is covered in blood, Trent said, shaking an accusing finger on his free hand at Filthy Henry. Which was how the fairy detective noticed the cut on Trent's palm, bandaged up but still evident for all to see. Is that how you really know it's blood, I wonder, Filthy Henry thought. Have you got a plastic bag or something around here? Trent asked, looking at Shelley as he spoke. Now just hold on here one second, Shelley said, folding her arms in the defiant stance that Filthy Henry had seen so many times before. You can't just march in here without warrants and start demanding plastic bags. Filthy Henry reached out and put his hand reassuringly on her shoulder. It's grand, he said. There's a bag over there beside those pizza boxes. Give it to the lovely Garda so he can bag his... evidence. The last word he said slowly, making air quotes as he spoke. The look of disgust on Trent's face was instantly gratifying. Shelley harumphed and marched over to the pizza boxes, searching for the bag. Are you making light of this situation, so-called detective? Trent said, trying to do the air quotes with his free hand. Somehow it did not have the same sarcastic effect. This is very serious. This is a murder investigation. And I've found the weapon. Filthy Henry narrowed his eyes and leaned a little closer to Trent. Innocent until proven guilty, kid, he said in a low tone. All you have is a suspected weapon, covered in what I could only assume is paint, and my very good graces to let you search my home without an official warrant. Also, what murder investigation? You've actually told us very little about why you are here, looking for paint-covered knives. Shelley came back over to them, threw the bag at Trent, and once again stood beside the fairy detective with her arms crossed. That do you? she asked. Trent caught the bag as it floated through the air, shook it open, then dropped the knife into it. The blade fell tip first and punctured the bottom of the bag, slicing through and tearing a hole in the end of it. With the worst reflexes in the world, the guard had tried to stop the knife from hitting the ground by bringing up his foot. It bounced off the tip of his shoe and spiralled in the air for a moment before crashing into an empty fast food container. Filthy Henry and Shelley moved their heads in unison, looking from Trent to the fallen knife and back to Trent. Trent frowned and growled under his breath. He pulled the remains of the bag around his hand, wrapping it around his fingers, and picked up the knife. Then, through a series of seriously complicated moves, he cocooned the painted blade in the plastic so that no single section of it was exposed. Once done, he held it before Shelley and Filthy Henry, as if showing them a large fish he had just caught. Now, are you going to come quietly or what? You're arresting him, Shelley asked, clearly shocked. On what charge? Trent pulled out a set of handcuffs from his pocket and motioned for Filthy Henry to turn around. With the plastic bag of dubious evidence tucked under his arm, the guardist stepped towards the ferry detective, then clicked a bracelet onto each of Filthy Henry's wrists. On the charge of killing somebody with really strange blood, he said, gripping the fairy detective's hands behind his back. We have a body out in Lucan, whose blood matches the colour of the fluid on this blade. That's enough for me to arrest him. Lucan isn't your jurisdiction, Filthy Henry said. 
You're based in Pierce Street. There is a station out in Lucan. That would be the main base of operations for any murders out there. We're running a joint uh, task uh, force. Look, you're under arrest, all right? You're letting him do this, Shelley said, moving to stand in front of Filthy Henry. The fairy detective had a feeling that whoever was behind Meek's apparent murder was also responsible for Trent's sudden involvement in things. Allowing himself to be arrested could prove to be one of those situations where the hero of the story learned a little more about the evil mastermind's plot. Either that, or result in a fight to the death. For the purpose of learning what exactly Trent knew, Filthy Henry figured it would be better to play along. At least being brought to Pier Street Garda Station meant he had an ally, as Downey worked in the same station. If push came to shove, the Leerling could be called on for some help. Worst case scenario, the fairy detective would learn nothing and then have to escape from his cell, going on the run until the case was properly solved. Don't think I've much choice in the matter, the fairy detective said. But sure, I won't be long. Pop the kettle on while I'm gone. Shelley's mouth dropped open in surprise. With a tug, Trent moved Filthy Henry towards the apartment door. You won't be getting out before the week's end, sunshine, Trent said as he led the fairy detective down the stairs towards the street-level entrance. That's a very precise amount of time to know in advance, Filthy Henry thought. Once outside, Trent guided Filthy Henry along the path, heading down Middle Abbey Street towards O'Connell Street. As they weaved through people, the Garda said nothing, and Filthy Henry tried to figure out what exactly was going on. Dragging a mortal into the mix, that was in direct violation of the rules. Whoever really had murdered Meek was keen to halt the investigation, no matter what it took. Filthy Henry spotted the bald man again, the one who had walked past the office when Trent was blabbing at the front door. He was seated outside the Oval Bar, a few doors down from the ferry detective's office, sipping on a pint of beer. As their eyes met, the bald man did not break his stare. Instead, if it was possible, he looked at Filthy Henry more intensely. The ferry detective briefly glanced at the bald man using his fairy vision, but there was nothing magical about him. Yet Filthy Henry could not shake the feeling that he had seen this guy somewhere before. Now, as promised for your listening pleasure, here is the entire Impossible Victim theme, an original composition by Niall Milton.
Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim, is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle.